Welcome back, listener. I always like to address a single person, even though I always forget, because we're talking to you. And the reason why we're talking to you today is that I am Thomas McMahon, coming to you from ClickBank, and I've brought on a good friend, Caleb Williams. He is a two-timer now on the podcast. First time we did it was in Costa Rica, so we're doing it remote this time for logistical reasons and to save the planet and all that good stuff. But we're going to be chatting wealth and efficiencies, because I've chatted with a lot of you over the years, and gosh there's a lot of inefficiencies in everyone's businesses and personal lives i can think of one caleb i want to mention i was chatting with a new affiliate who's doing very well they're generating over five million dollars in kind of gross sales which means their income is pretty healthy and they hadn't even set up an llc yet or an s no or anything like that right and <laughs> i chatted with them three months four months later whatever it was like oh did you set up that business entity i think i'd sent him your stuff and Vinny's stuff and he's just like oh not yet i'm like dude you gotta do it like <laughs> before we yeah. send this episode to that person and i want it, them yeah. to know that we will help them set up an llc file as an s corp and start acting like we will change their life put exactly. hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars back in their pocket just by changing a few things i will do that 100 percent. but i would love to hear for the people that didn't catch our first episode with you which was a while ago now can you give us a little bit of overview on your background and yeah. what you've done with better wealth I have to say it was amazing being with you guys in Costa Rica. That uh, podcast that we did, I don't think you can beat the view. It's like with yeah, glass was, windows looking over the water. I like we're in Jurassic water. Park headquarters. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> it was amazing. So, um, but the, the, a little bit about myself is um, I grew up in central Wisconsin. The oldest of six kids was very into business and money. Even though my dad was a PhD in molecular biology, I knew that I wasn't going to fall in his footsteps after taking biology one. Um, worked at a chicken farm and learned that I didn't love the chicken processing game, but it taught me how to like, I made money for the first time. And I read two books, Richest Man in Babylon and Good to Great. And I, at 15 years old, was like, you know what? I want to dedicate my life to helping people with money and got a job at a bank because why? Like you should totally go to a bank if you want to learn about money. And, and then, so from there, um, I learned everything I could from tellers to, you know, working at our lending department to, um, working, you know, in, in marketing. And I also worked in our investment department. And then, so <laughs> from there, I learned so much about money and all this stuff. And then when I was 19 years old, the person that was running our investment department left and I became probably the youngest person to have that responsibility. Like I took over the <laughs> full bank's investment department, 19 years old. I'm going oh, to college gosh. for business and finance. I have the second largest bank in the, you know, the office in the building. Um, and I got like, I'm the 19 year old kid that looks like I'm 13 with a bank phone, with my personal phone, with a bank computer. And I, I realized really fast that um, while I was stoked and excited, I also realized that I was like almost depressed because I realized that people were broken and financial advisors, just another fancy word for just being a babysitter for your money. So oh, we're not actually that. moving the needle for people the traditional way. And I just committed to saying like, if there's a better way to help people, I want to learn that. And being young and looking even younger was a huge advantage because people I think just pitied me. So they just taught me everything. They taught me tax strategy. Like I traveled the country and I learned from so many people about life insurance, about tax strategies. I learned about just different ways to think about debt and credit. And, and really, I would like to call it like I, did, I got my master's in money while I got my bachelor's in finance. And I, I learned so much and just great, gained this conviction that at 21 years old, I actually left the bank 
and started Better Wealth. And Better Wealth is is committed to helping the entrepreneur be more efficient with their money. And we do that by helping them with their taxes. We do that by specializing. And we're really known for our life insurance strategy by helping entrepreneurs save and use their money throughout their life. Uh, we have an RAA where we can help people manage their assets. And, and I hate the word retirement planning, but that's what people know it as. It's like how to do that well. And then we also have a whole coaching arm where we help people bring all their financial decisions under one roof and help them be efficient. And some people call it a virtual family office, but we just like, how do we get all the right players talking to each other and make sure that everyone's on the same page? And we've been doing that for the last six years. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, just looking back and seeing all the ups and downs and we have clients in all 50 States. And, um, I, I get lucky enough to know people like you and get to go to Costa Rica and speak to your guys's incredible group. Oh, that's awesome. No, thanks for the background there. And I know I've been chatting with Jeremy over at your team and just getting more hands-on in it. Cause I think a lot of people probably experience different things we'll chat about here in different ways online and different gurus, if you will, talking about different strategies. And there can be a lot of noise out there and a lot of misinformation, disinformation, real information, but how do you actually sort through the noise to find out what works for you? I found it very helpful to kind of go through y'all's process of collecting everything and really looking at it. And it's been an aha moment for me to go, oh, like I thought I was pretty financial savvy, which I think I'm above average probably compared to most mm -hmm. of America. But then going like, oh, I made some big miscalculations in my future planning that was like, okay, we got to look at something a little different here and yeah. how we plan. I was curious, what do you call it instead of retirement planning? Future cash flow planning because future cash flow planning because again you don't want to be the horse that gets retired, okay? You don't retirement. The definition of retirement is being taken out of service, and so what we really Quite are literally looking for a for, resource, yeah, Gosh. yeah. We really want to. What we're really looking for is we're looking for cash flow, and we really need to be planning for cash flow because what we want is we don't want to have to work to bring in the money. So it's like, where can, where can I get my decisions today? How can they compound to provide cash flow? And so it's like, why do we have to wait till 65? There, there could be some people at 45 that could be financially free. And that just means that they have future cash flow that's accounted for. Um, and I think that's way more life-giving because I never think what we should just be like, you know, putting like, just not creating value. I'm, I'm a big fan of like, whatever we do, serving and providing value in the world. Gotcha. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So just, that, that was the aha moment for me, right? It's like, okay, there probably is a reality where my retirement isn't just not doing anything, right? There's probably gonna be some revenue generating activities and or assets that I'll need to have in place other Correct. than investments I'm just drawing down from, right? Yep. It's more cash flow. And it's a, it's a, I'm yeah. sure you got to see the model because mm -hmm. what we, one of the things that we do is we model people's inputs, outputs. Like that's, that's a, at the end of the day, what I can guarantee you is the model's wrong because it's only as good as what we input into the model. Yep. But it, what it's able to do is it's able to show people based on your assumptions today, what you have in the future and just a snapshot. And it's very simple. It's like line number one is what you're current consuming, including inflation. Line number two is what you're currently um, saving, what you're investing, and your other cash flow streams. And so what that highlights is a lot of us are way – we're not thinking future cash flow. We're thinking we're – we're not super intentional about it. And so what it points to is, okay, if you hate your job, you may want to find one that you like because maybe the model will say there's just no way you can – quote unquote, retire the way that you're currently doing it at 65. Um, but what it also will show is future income streams could very much be more important than 
increasing rates of return. And also it highlights being more efficient because if we find an inefficiency, which is a friction point to getting to where you want to go, we'll remove um, friction um, and and can especially save the difference. A lot of times we our, our definition of helping people is like, let's just help you be more efficient with your money. And all the money that we find through inefficiencies, we'll just save and invest. And that difference will we usually dramatically change change your model. Um, so it's it's very interesting because a lot of people don't know where they stand. And sometimes they're afraid speaking with us because we will show them based on what they're telling us where they're at. And then from there, that's that's the point is like, what are we going to do with that information? Right. Yeah. Where do you, where do you find like, right, we're talking to a lot of either aspiring successful entrepreneurs or very successful entrepreneurs who are, you know, they have a usually low overhead business when we're talking direct response, e-commerce marketing to some extent, right. Where, um, it might be small team, high revenue that's coming in, right. Gross revenue is one thing. Profit's always the key metric there, which that's always hard to figure out sometimes for people. But when you're looking at say the six figure to eight figure, which I know is a big range of entrepreneur would they've in their got money coming in, they've hit some sort of scale. What are they usually doing quote unquote wrong or inefficient with either how they're paying themselves, how they're set up? Like what are some of the big yep. sticking points that you see when you're chatting with people? Yeah, I'm going to talk to the six and seven figure entrepreneur. If you're an eight figure entrepreneur, these things will still apply, but I would legitimately get a family office. We can connect you. We can help with some of them, but if we're dealing with an eight figure entrepreneur, there's other people in our network that are like, I would want to bring in. So for the seven figure entrepreneur and for the six figure entrepreneur, which I believe is majority of the people listening to this, people making anywhere from a couple hundred thousand to you know, upper to $10 million a year. Um, one of the biggest, biggest mistakes people make is, is, as I want to show this visually. So it's number one, it's not getting clear about what you truly want. And I know that sounds like fluffy, but it's like, man, have you done, taken the time to really get clear about what you truly want? What does your intentional life look like? And can we create that metric? We call it ROR because instead of rate of return controlling your life, we should, we should be focused on the return on results. And those results are as only as clear as what you make them. So after we get that fluff out of the way, then it's like, okay, you bring in income, that income and cash flow. It's like, how is that going to be categorized? How is that going to be taxed? How, like we have to before, like the decisions that we make about that from the taxes to how we know our numbers to where that's flowing um, could make, could be like a 20% difference in how we plan and like do the math on that. Like that's a lot of money. Um, a lot of people, almost nine, nine, 90% of the people that come to us are overpaying in taxes in some areas. And the majority of business owners, they don't even know their numbers. And so they're just overpaying through inefficiencies because they're just, they, they don't have someone that's in their business saying like, this is, this is your gross income. This is your profit. These are, this is your P and L profit and losses. And I'll tell you what, we, like, we are, we fall victim to this. Like looking at, looking at my monthly reports, I'm like, why are we paying for this? Why are we doing this? Like this, this area in the business is not creating a great rate of return. Why don't we focus on this thing over here? And so knowing your numbers is also key. It might not create a direct rate, rate of return, but sometimes knowledge is the key to be like, oh, we should probably change that. So from a tax strategy and entity standpoint and knowing your numbers, those two things on money coming in is really key. 
once you have money flowing, then then it really is only capable of doing two things. And this is what we like teach people. When you have money coming into your, you know, business economy or personal economy, it's it's only it can only do two fundamental things. It can be consumed or it can be saved for a future consumption day. So consumption is anywhere from anytime you lose a dollar, it's it's gone. That's consumed. So whether that's a tax that you've paid, whether that's paying for a Starbucks, whether that's debt that you're servicing, whether that's going on vacation. And so it's being very efficient with our consumption and saying, is there money that's that's literally leaving our household or business economy that doesn't need to be? And so we just look at like, what do we want? Like, again, we go back to your intentional living statement. It's like, okay, we hold that up and we go through all the consumption, which starts with knowing your numbers, tracking your money and saying, okay, like really getting clear of like, okay, is this, is this where we want to go? Like, is this debt efficient? Sometimes, sometimes people have inefficient debt. Some, some people should be getting debt versus paying cash because that would be, make their equation more efficient. So it all, it all depends. And then money that we save, it's getting really clear about, okay, you're saving this money, but ultimately we want to create future cash flow. So what is the best way with saved money to create future cash flow? For some people, it's investing in a Roth IRA. For some people, it's investing in real estate. For some people, it's doubling down in their business. For some people, it's investing in a coach and doubling their income. For some people, it's you know looking at alternative investments. And so what we do, we don't give investment advice, but we help them create their investor DNA and then get really positioned about where they should be deploying capital that ultimately will bring them closer to where they want to go. And so that's that's really the key. And then the last last thing, and it's not sexy to talk about, but creating risk management, making sure that you have proper health insurance, property and casualty, um, making sure that if your income disappeared tomorrow because you injured yourself, that you're that you're 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 not building your empire on a house of cards or right. on a sandbox and making sure that we are making sure that there's an umbrella that's being built on what you're building because we all know that one person that you know their life change in a second and uh and and you can't plan you can't avoid those things well some of them you can but like what you can do is you can plan for to say hey i'm not gonna let one split second thing change the direction of my family my life and my future yeah well especially if you're a high income earner too right you want to make sure that people aren't just coming after you because of that high income. that's right credit right? protect so the, yeah that's yeah totally. so the, the corporate so, bail and all that then things i don't fully understand will act like i do but yeah like you need to make sure there's some gates and defense played so that you can keep what you've made and not just totally what the legal and, and i know <laughs> that i it's like a fire hose and there's like we could we could yeah talk about all kinds of things like i didn't even talk about the life insurance strategy but that's a that's a strategy for people that want to save more. We we are known for overfunding whole life insurance, which sounds like super not attractive at all. I understand that. <laughs> but when set up properly, it's like we give people the ability to save money. They get tons of long-term benefits, tons of short-term benefits as well. And then we also help them utilize that asset to then go and invest in their business or in real estate or invest in their future cash flow plans. And um, it's really cool because we're helping entrepreneurs give a dollar more than one job. And um, those are the little things that we do that, again, you within a whole process, it's really powerful. Within If you're just talking about it without a process, it's like it still can be powerful. But like when you really help people get clear, make sure that they're not losing any incoming cash flow due to like taxes and knowing their numbers and then making sure that 
the the saving and consumption areas of their life are really accounted for. I'm telling you, you take, you create way more intentionality in how someone looks at their financial life. Yeah, no, it really clicked for me when I was chatting with your team, just like, okay, like there's, I'm in a good spot, right? But like, I'm not in an ideal spot where I could be, right? Having a HELOC on my home, not that I ever need to use it, but if I wanted to draw out cash quickly, I could do it from there, right? Or other things like that, using the equity I have in unique ways, setting up whole life insurance as places to save in slash invest in, kind yep. of draw down for the dividends, build the dividends there, term life insurance to cover any gaps, right? Things yep. like that. And then just, it's like, yeah, I'm probably overfunding Vanguard to a degree and could probably diversify the savings or investments that I'm doing into other ways to kind of give myself more leverage in five to 10 years or even more totally. in the future, right? Than what I'm currently doing, which is- And and the home is actually a really good example. Like HELOC, it's those, there's a lot of people have tons of equity in their home and- and they haven't gone the extra step and saying, what, how, how can I free up some of this cash flow? We're not even saying use that money. Sure, yeah. We're just saying from a risk management standpoint, banks love to lend money to people that don't need it. But the moment <laughs> you get disabled or the moment that something tragic happens to you, those, uh, those banks that don't, oh, don't want to return your phone calls anymore. So it's like we're a big, big fan of saying, okay, where when you look at someone's asset balance sheet, not all assets are created equal. And then how do you create more liquidity and control and options? Cause I'm a big fan of the optionality, creating optionality in what we're doing. Um, and so, yeah, th that, that's just another example of, of looking across the board and taking what some people would call liability, your home and making it an asset. And uh, I think that's a great example. And I love how you speak. I can tell that we've had conversations because you're you're speaking in a way that's very uh, intentional and that's uh i don't know if you notice that about yourself but you understand a lot about this and i know we've had many conversations you're kind of a fellow geek when it comes to all this stuff yeah well when i met you i was like i know finance and i met you i was like oh i don't know anything okay <laughs> it's like there's a tip of the iceberg that i've gotten to a point of comfortability and then it's like okay there's a lot more we could do here but going back to like some of the business side the entrepreneurial journey piece it's like the it scares me how many of our clients use like their bank account as their PNL, right? Yeah. And like they look in the business bank account, their personal bank account, and they check it, go, cool, everything's good. And they're not really looking at the big picture, what that cash flow is actually doing, what money's flowing out, money's flowing in, and yep. where they could be, like you said, trimming a ton of fat and also probably doubling down on streams of revenue and customers that they're not because they aren't looking at the granule details of where yep. that cash is coming in from. Yeah. If you are not getting an annual or a monthly PL and a, a snapshot at your balance sheet, I, I would, I would say work with somebody, whether it's us or somebody else that can, that can do that bare minimum for you. And if you're making at least a couple hundred thousand or maybe even more than a hundred thousand and you're, you don't have an LLC or you're, cause an L all an LLC is really is for liability purposes. It's, it's not, you can't file like that's, it's not a, you can't file LLC filing doesn't really exist. So you could file as an S corporation. And all that means is instead of you paying tax on like, you know, you know, full taxes on the full amount, let's say 100, 200, 300,000, we're able to pay you a salary, which I think the biggest mistake people are making is they're not separating their personal economy from their business economy. But you're able to pay yourself a, a reasonable salary, and then take distributions. And those distributions are, are at a way better tax rate. 
because um, you don't have to pay any of like the, um, you know, income tax or not, not income tax, but you don't have to pay any of like the social security tax and anything else as it relates to that. And so what that allows us to do is save up to 15% on oh, wow. on money that you're so that that adds up like if you're a lot of there's there's people that we see that are like that aren't doing this and they're making two million dollars a year they make this uh, the adjustment and i'm telling you like when we talk about saving 20 percent, if they're not doing that imagine all the other tax strategies that they're not, they're not doing and it's and we call it the ignorance tax because you're literally paying extra just because you don't know or just because you haven't looked into you know going the extra step is there like what I know, I'm sure this depends. It's a hard question to answer, but like when you say a reasonable salary, I know that's like something that S corps have to do. You have to like pay yourself a reasonable salary and all that. Like, what is that number? Does it depend on how big your business is? Does it depend on what, what yep. your title is? The, the safe answer is to talk with, talk with your tax team, sure. whether it's us or somebody else and, and to really figure factor that, that out. Um, the, if you're, if you it's just solely you, it, it, you can justify, I mean, you can pretty much, you know, make it what you want to make it. There, there's some people that say, Hey, it should be around 60% um, of, you know, your, what you make, but, but that really is tough to, to measure for us. Since we have a whole team, um, I, I couldn't pay myself a reasonable salary of 30,000 and be like, well, you're the visionary, you know, face of better wealth. Like, that's that's not cool. Um, and is so like a, mine, is like a smell test, gut check, it kind of has yeah, to pass. It's, it's one of those yeah. like, is this reasonable? Right, um, yeah. And and I, I think the other thing is the biggest mistake people make. And I know I've said like this is the biggest mistake like 10 times. because <laughs> I, I, It's like I've, I've seen like these are huge mistakes people are making, uh, but it might not be the biggest. Uh, the but a mistake that people are making is they're just not documenting because they don't have good books. So they're not documenting their deductions that they're making. They're not documenting like why they're paying themselves a salary. And what I, we found is if you just document properly, or if you just make an argument, you don't have to worry about the IRS throwing you in jail. The worst thing that they're going to do is slap your hand and maybe say, okay, like you have to pay us a difference in taxes, but you're not, if you are documenting and really making a case and you, and you do get audited, we're, we're talking like, we're talking number one, an audit's not like the end of the world. A lot of people, there's a lot of misinformation about audits. But then number two, it's like just make sure that in every decision you make, there's a documentation. And, and again, if you're working with the right tax team, it's easy to document that. And you're just building a case so that if and when people, you know, ask why are you doing this, you have a reason. When you say documenting, is that like just logging stuff in QuickBooks for expenditures and stuff? Is it like email tracking? Like what, what is that? Is it SOP? Like what would you actually be handing over in an audit? Is it? Yeah, I think the, the, the big, the big reason, the big areas to document is like deductions. Like a, a lot of people ask like, what can I deduct? And the, the big area is you just need to make sure it's reasonable to your business. And so it's like, okay, what's, what's, what's reasonable? It's well, you know, doc, like make an argument for it. Say like, Hey, um, if you're an influencer and you travel, is that a business? Like, is it necessary for your business to operate? Is it reasonable for your business? Like, yes. So you could make the argument that if you're an influencer and you go traveling, but that has to be documented. Like you have to, if someone's like, why are you writing off your entire trip to, you know, Europe, I'm, I'm an influencer and I make my livelihood traveling. And, and by the way, this is like, I have a proof, you know, so it's really 
creating proof. So whether it's an email. Okay. So that proof, yeah, it could be like an email or like some communication with your team or strategy documentation of like, we're going to be recording these videos and these places. It's it's the same reason why you want to save receipts, right? It's like, did you actually do? Yes, I have a receipt. And then is this actually business? Yes. Like this is, this is the itinerary for the, the business. Like, so it's, it's, it's really having proof and, and majority of people don't have a system for tracking tracking it's funny, things it's funny so it how becomes many things very come overwhelming because it's yeah. like oh i don't it's like going through your text messages or like going through your photos and like create a system i know it takes some front end work but you will be you will live with so much more peace knowing that's like hey like you're at, you're not only saving money but you're doing it the right way well it's funny how often things come back to just good business operations yeah. Right. Like if you're having a weekly meeting with your executive team and maybe that's you and your spouse, right? <laughs> but if you're actually taking notes or having a VA take the notes and compile those and save them somewhere and then there's follow up, right? If you're actually doing and acting like a quote unquote real business, a lot of this stuff sounds like it's almost taken care of. And this is more of just how you're saving it and like the actual operations of that. But yeah, it's like the business operations piece solves a lot of problems for people. Agreed. Agreed. What are what are some of the like some of the viral TikToks and YouTube shorts and stuff are all around. Oh my gosh, I bought a Mercedes, you know, and then I can write it all off because blah, 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 right? And all this stuff. Like, what are some of the bigger misinformation out there around tax deductions in like the entrepreneurial space? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the 199A, um, you know, accelerated depreciation is, is definitely thrown out there because it's sexy, right? By, buy this big, big old car and get to deduct it. And, and the, the, the laws are changing. So you, right now you can't get a hundred percent deduction on some of these purchases, but over time you can depreciate all of that. Um, what, what I would say is a, a lot of times people want quick fixes and like there's, there's strategies out there that are like talking about like trust and like if you have a business own the truck and it's like and essentially they're like the end of the story is you don't pay any taxes and though it's the irs is really clear that like this is like if you do this wrong which most people are doing it wrong because they're abusing abusing it it's like there's a lot of people out there that are like you know talking about these like magical llc charity things that you can build and the whole concept is um, you don't pay any taxes, but you still like the, you still spend money. Like you own the money, even though you're not, you now control it. You don't own it. And you just got to be careful because they're taking sound bites that are true. And they're, they're quite frankly scams. And a lot of entrepreneurs hate paying taxes. And so they'll get, they'll end up getting desperate and trying to find some, someone that will tell them what they want to hear. Like if you set this thing up, you won't have to pay any taxes. And it's like, I, I just, I would implore you to do like think 10 years from now and say 10 years from now knowing what i know like can i be proud of the thing that i built and a lot of times people try to make a quick fix and they end up um really getting themselves in in a but like in in a tough spot and so that would be just those are some of the things i've seen i've seen some people like talk about being a sovereign citizen like no joke like renounce your citizenship and for some (laughs) That won't like, have any then you don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> and I, I'm actually going to make a reaction co- video to that. And I, yeah. and I just, I would just say, please don't do that. 
Um, <laughs> there's, there, there's ways some there benefits to being a citizen, right? Yeah. <laughs> using deductions and, and depreciation and special tax strategies. Like the Augusta rule is a legit thing. Like you can rent out your home. Like you can even take like your home office and like eliminate throughways and hallways. And like there are, are ways that you can work with your tax team to reduce your taxes, but don't try to put your taxes at zero. Um, if you, I mean, there, there's people that have real estate and certain things, depreciation that they can get their, they can get their taxes sure. almost zero or, or zero, which is great. But if you're like crushing it in business, it is okay to pay some taxes. Just make sure that you're, that you're paying as little as you legally have to. Right. Yeah. It's that gut check, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, is this going to pass a smell test? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you'd be shocked. I, I know some really amazing people that fall for tax stuff that are like, man, I, I wouldn't want to back that up in an audit. Right. Yeah. They hear something. It sounds good to be true. They want to just chase it. What I always find too, it's right. Tax season per, for personal taxes, right. comes around what do it's due in April of the following year kind of thing. Yep. And myself and other people are scrambling. How can I shave? How can I save on taxes for the previous year? And that's in the books, right? That's yeah. that for the most closed. part. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's a couple like, can contribute. And by the way, I'm yeah. talking taxes. We have a tax team and I'm not, I, I don't qualify to be on our tax team. So I'm, I'm the face of better. Well, talking about some things that you're like, Hey, you're, you're misspeaking there. I I'm, I'm just the, the person talking. Oh, on you're good, you're good, yeah. So all, all that to say there's yes. Once we hit January, there's a lot of things that, um, become unavailable for last year. And so there are, while there are like, you can contribute to retirement accounts and stuff that are still available, you know, after, mm-hmm. after, um, you know, December 31st, the r- really good tax strategies out there, you know, you want to be proactive. That's why people that work with us, we meet quarterly. We meet quarterly because well, instead of meeting at the end of the year, scrambling, seeing like, what do you need to buy to, you know, have a lower tax bill, like you're able to proactively be like, okay, how are we doing? What do we need to do? And it's, and it's, you're, you're just building again, a case and we're building a team around you. Um, so that's what I would recommend because, uh, we've all been there. I've been there on the last week of December buying, buying stuff that I never use because I don't want to pay more in taxes. Yep. And it's one of those like playing offense in the space is so easy, right? Improving the conversion rate, trying to yep. scale ads, right? What's the next hook, all that kind of stuff. Like there's so many things you have to do to keep the offense running. They don't think about the defense until it's punching in the face. That's right. Right. The, the, the guy who hadn't and hopefully has, but I don't think he has set up a business entity yet and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I'll do that eventually. And all of a sudden it's eventually, and then you're scrambling for a quick fix. Like you're saying versus yep. the right fix. And so just getting out ahead of it, building into the working schedule, like, okay, we're going to figure this out by the end of the quarter. What's the, what do we need to do to back into that? Let's have these conversations now. Let's make a decision, right? It's doing all that stuff early when you don't absolutely have to, which will let you do a lot of really cool things with, like you said, the savings you've freed up with additional cash flow you can uncover, kind of scaling from there. Yeah. Is there, um, when you look at, I guess like the landscape of this, like, I think you kind of did it broadly, but like when you look at like the immediate things to fix for someone who's, Hey, I know I need to get better at this. Like, is it like in a quick one, two, three summary, what are those first three things? Yeah. It's, 
know your numbers. So get a PL, have access to your balance sheet, know your your KPIs. Just like do the work to actually figure that out. It's figure out the base tax basics with entities and know like just get really clear on like what you can deduct and start figuring out a basic tax strategy. Um, and then the the last thing I would do is really understand um, your savings ratio and figure out ways to save more money by being more efficient. Um, and then the bonus would be understand how life insurance works because as an entrepreneur, you can really use your dollars more than once. And for an entrepreneur that sees opportunities and constantly wants to deploy capital, it will allow you to compound your money for the rest of your life and be able to use your capital to reinvest into what you want. And that for an entrepreneur is the unfair advantage that if you're not entrepreneurial, you just have less opportunities to multiply your money. Yeah. For the people who are listening to this, who just got defensive hearing the whole life insurance stuff because they either got hit up or by Northwest yeah. Mutual or <laughs> got, um, their friends hit them up about something or they were employee of that, right? Like what is, I guess, yeah. Like what is that for someone who gets that like kind of like apprehensive nature, like, uh, yeah. I've heard that's a scam. I heard that's just yeah. like a sales tactic. Like why isn't it? And what yeah. is it actually? The 95% of life insurance is not sold in my humble opinion, well, and gives the industry a bad rap. So I, I will say that when in doubt, be very, very cautious. And this is not a sales pitch to work with us. There's other people that are good, but to be quite frank, um, I've been pretty appalled by what I see other people doing and how I see them really taking these talking points and not positioning them well. So. Life insurance is a contract. It's a contract between you and an insurance company, and you want to make sure that the insurance company is worth working with. But really, the secret comes down to how do we maximize a contract to be super favorable to us? And the way that we believe that you should do this is you should do what's called max fund the contract, which means you're getting as much cash value, what you're putting in, the money that you're putting in, you're getting as much of cash available early on. And it's and it almost is like a like a like a money market, high yield money market account that you can access. So what a lot of life insurance gives you like no cash value in the first couple of years. There's very little flexibility, heavy commissions. We're, we're doing the exact opposite. We're giving you a ton of early cash value early on, lots of f flexibility. Our commissions are a fraction of what they could be. And what, what we teach people is instead of looking at life insurance as an investment, it's a place where you can store capital. And, and some of the best benefits of life insurance is, is the tax-free nature of it. When set up and used properly, your money after it's in will grow tax-free. It can be used tax-free throughout your life and it pass, it can get passed on income tax-free. And so the way that we teach teach entrepreneurs how to do that is, is fund into these max-funded contracts. You have access to majority of the capital that you've put in. You can now utilize that to redeploy, but you get all the benefits of life insurance now and in the future because you're not taking from yourself, you're borrowing against that contract. And because life insurance gives you so many benefits, not just the cash value growth benefit, if people understood that, they would be like, life insurance gives me a 7 to 10% like benefit year in and year out to my portfolio because of all the benefits of life insurance. And I get the ability to take that capital and redeploy it into something that can get me a far greater rate of return if I want my dollars doing more than one thing. That's why I wrote the book, The And Asset, because you're creating and conversations versus or conversations. And so that's uh, in a nutshell, 
still be very skeptical. Um, and we have a ton of resources. And if you want to talk to someone on our team, whether you have a life insurance policy or if you're thinking about it, we would be more than happy to walk you through the do's and don'ts and even show you some examples if you wanted to see like what it would look like for you. Awesome. No, thanks for that breakdown. Cause yeah, it's just one of those, you just hear so much about it and from different people who've had different experiences. And like I said, 95% of it's probably yeah, somewhat not favoring the customer more so the insurance salesman. <laughs> so it's yep. just that, yeah, it's that misconception out there. Maybe, maybe not a misconception, right? It's just the experience out there. The perception out is out there, right? So how do you fight that? Which I imagine you have that conversation constantly. All the time, every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to, yeah. Yeah, I always feel for like the car salesmen who are just trying to, yeah, it's like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, no, no. it's like yeah. car salesman, life insurance salesman. Yeah, <laughs> it's. <laughs> hundred percent. Well, gosh, I was, we like, uh, I want to mention to the listener here that we've set you up as a ClickBank expert, right? Which is a fairly vetted program that we do for people that we think help, um, our core clients and things like that. So we'll give you, we'll give a link to the description below to your expert profile where people can go learn more about you. Even they've heard a ton about you right here. Um, and go sign up through our link with y'all kind of get in front of your your people, but where else can people find you? I know you're doing a ton on YouTube and podcasting and your books and things like that. Where's yep. the best place to go to, to find more about Caleb and better wealth? Yeah. So if you want to learn more about taxes, if you're someone that's like, I feel convicted that I need to better know my numbers and figure out a tax strategy, we have a link there. And then if you want a general, like, Hey, I want to talk to someone about just overall wealth efficiency we got you covered there as well. So those would be the two, if you're actually listening to this and actually want to talk to someone, use those links because um, you will be taken care of. Um, we we have a YouTube channel called Better Wealth and that's where we I make reaction content to pe you know, stuff like the sovereign citizen movement that- Grant Cardone's people, buying a know, jet for tax litigation. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> so like yeah. I'll do interviews and, you know, we're, we're creating content and then you can follow me on any social media platform and if you reach out and let me know that you listen to this podcast, we'll take care of you. We got we got some really cool uh, educational resources, and anyone that like wants to learn more, um, we we got you covered. And um, I'm pretty easy to find. I love it. Thanks, Caleb. Now it's all about doing the good business with good people, right? We're all about right. connecting the right people at the right time. So we always know that every episode isn't for everybody, but I trust if you're listening to this and this is scratching your brain a bit, you're like, oh, I know I need to do this. Reach out. Caleb seems to be a pleasure to work with for myself. So I can't say enough good things about them. Um, yeah, you just do it right, right? Take good care of good people. Thanks, man. It's been, it's been fun. Of course. Yeah. And if you've got any questions for us over at Affiliated or ClickBank, you can reach out at affiliated at clickbank.com. Go like and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. We always love reviews. If you can leave reviews on your favorite listening platforms, wherever that may be, always helps more people find the podcasts. I think as we're recording this, we're just crossing the 100,000 download mark. I think Caleb's podcast has hit a million. So he's like, oh, cool. That's <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but dude. That's we think it's neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, so we're proud of the content we're putting out. People are getting good value from it. So we want to do more things like it. Caleb, thank you so much for coming back on for your second round over here at Affiliated and for helping our clients out. And yeah, we trust that Nashville's treating you well and happy scaling to all our listeners. 